We're going to continue our series, Disrupted. And I actually had a message planned. I had a topic that I'm going to have to push to later because I was, I was in the gym on Tuesday and I've been working on it. And I'm in the gym working on my biceps as well, the curls, not wearing gloves. Anybody went here last week? Ditch the gloves. You ditch the gloves. You need some calluses, not just for your muscles, but your faith. I ditch the gloves. I'm working out. And I felt the Spirit of God speak to me and say, don't move on yet. I'm not done. I'm not done. I felt like God said, we, we need to dive back into this topic of resilience. There, there's more there. We left some on the table that we need to go a little deeper. And so there's a passage that, that I've just been processing all week long. And it's, it's been challenging me and speaking to me. And, and I felt like God told me I, I need to share it with you. And so... If it's all right, we're going to dive back into some resilience today. We're going to build something we need in this season today. All right? If you just remain standing for a moment, I want to read this passage that I've been, I've been soaking in this week. And it's, uh, I'm going to start in verse 12. I was going to start in 14, but then I got to church today and I felt like God said, no, start with 12. Ephesians 3 verse 12. It says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. That's what you did today, by the way. We just came boldly into the presence of God. So please do not lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. And then Paul said this in verse 14, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And I pray, this is the verse that got me. And I pray from his glorious, unlimited resources. Do you know that you have a Father in heaven that has unlimited resources? What do you need that you don't have? Can I tell you God has it? What do you need that you don't have? God has it. According to his unlimited resources, I love this part. He will empower you with what? Can you all say that word together? He will empower you with inner, come on, say it with me again. He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. That's why we got to gather in moments like this. So he can give you what you need. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. I love this. As you trust in him. It says, your what will grow down into God's love. Would you all say that word out loud? Your, come on, say it again. Your, your roots. I want to talk about roots today. Your roots will grow down into God's love. And I love this last part. It will keep us what? It's going to keep you strong. Do you have roots? That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the thing that you need to survive the hardest seasons, the most disrupted moments in life. You see, the, the reason trees and plants and grass can withstand drought, can withstand storms. You, you, know what, you know what? It's not what you see above the surface. It's what's beneath the surface. It's the root system. It's what's underneath. Do you know what? it's what's under you that will keep you in disrupted times? It's not what everybody sees, but it's the foundation that's under you. It's the root system under you that will actually give you the resilience you need to go through anything. Today, I want to talk about roots, 
of resilience. I want you all to say it out loud with me. Roots of resilience. Look to the person next to you and ask them, do you got roots? Look at them and say, do you got some roots today? We're going to talk about these roots today. Come on, bow your heads. Let's pray. Father, I am grateful to be in your presence. There is something special about this moment. God, we're not here just for church. We're here to meet with you, to receive from you. And so, God, I ask you in this moment to do what only you can do. God, I'm going to do what I can do, but I need you to speak and to fill and to empower us with inner strength to handle the disrupted times, the disrupted seasons of life. God, so I pray you speak to us with clarity now. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, come on, let's give him praise. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Talk about roots. My wife and I, we, um, we had kids that played sports. And both of our daughters played sports growing up. And my wife, um, she didn't mind if they wanted to play a sport, but she had one rule. I don't know if you, you know, have this one rule, but my wife did. This was kind of more her rule, but she had this one rule. And that was, if you sign up to play a sport, you have to finish it. Any moms and dads out here tell your kids that kind of stuff? If you sign up for it, you got to finish it. Now, let me just tell you, that was a nightmare for me a lot of times. Because, um, especially with my oldest daughter, Lauren, um, my oldest daughter, Lauren, she played soccer for years from the time she was like four years old all the way up into high school. And so played for a lot, a lot of years. And um, there was a stretch kind of toward the end of the soccer career where um, my daughter, Lauren, she hated soccer. She played it, but she loathed it. I mean, th- there was something in there that she just hated it. And I remember one year she, um, she got sick in the middle of it. I think she had mono. I think she was like in the middle of the season and it was rough and she wanted to quit. My wife's like, I don't care if you got mono, you get out there and you play, you know. She's, my wife's cutthroat when it comes to this. I mean, you have a broken ankle. She's like, get out there, you can run on one. You know, she, she's like that, you know, she's brutal. And, and my my. My daughter, Lauren, she would want to quit every year. She would get into soccer. She'd sign up. She'd get into the season. She would get in. It would be difficult. It would be hard. And, and next thing you know, she's like, I want to quit. I don't want to go back anymore. Team doesn't need me. I can quit. My wife's like, it doesn't matter. You signed up. You're going to finish. You're going to finish. She was one of those parents. You're going to finish it, right? Here's what's crazy. And this is, this is I, I kid you not, this is the truth. Um, every year we get done with soccer. It would be miserable the whole time. You know, we want to pull our hair out and all this good stuff. This was toward the end. And then as we got to the end of the season, they would win a tournament. It would be kind of fun. You know, the thrill of winning is always kind of covers all the ales. It feels a little bit better. And then they would have tryouts for the next season. And my wife would tell her, you got to try out. She was like, I'm done. I don't want to play soccer. She's like, listen, you might change your mind. And so you need to go to tryouts. And at least see if you make the team. And if you do, you can decide to quit later. And so every year, it seemed like year after year, my oldest daughter, Lauren, she would get done and she would want to quit soccer and then she would go to tryouts and she'd tryouts and then everything would calm down and then she'd get a call one day and they'd say, you made the team. You made a team. This was travel at the time. You made the A team. She'd say, oh, I made the team because that's such a big deal. I made the team. I made the team. It's like, so you're going to play soccer? Yeah, I guess I won't play soccer. Next season comes around, three weeks in. I hate soccer. Why did you make me play this? My wife would be like, no, you signed up, you finished. This happened every single year for three or four years, I kid you not. 
Now, I stand here and say today, I'm glad that my wife, she, she was so good at teaching, because I think it's an important, important lesson, parents, okay, was to teach her, you sign, you commit, you don't quit, right? That, that was an important life lesson that my wife was really instilling in my daughters. Now, um, she was a lot better at enforcing it than I was, and I think it's partially because I'm a little bit more of like, um, I'm the more empathetic parent to their emotional needs and what they're going on. You just understand that. That's me. I, and so I felt for them, and, and I wanted to, but my wife, she would, mm-mm, you got to. But I think it is an important lesson because when I think about life today and I think about our culture, and I look in America and I, and I think about, you know, what do we idolize here in our country? Can I tell you what I think it is? We idolize comfort. We idolize things like convenience. We idolize a life that is easy, that's comfortable. And what I see today in our culture, and it permeates through maybe all of us and a little bit here and there, is that when things get difficult, it's easier to quit. When life gets hard, we just walk away. When the job gets hard, just quit and go find another job. When, when the relationship gets hard, just quit and go find another one. I mean, it could be anything. It could be a sport. You go to play a sport and it gets really hard. Well, I quit. The coach is just riding me, just awful, just mean. He doesn't like me, just makes me run laps. I quit. Or, or maybe at school, we get, you know, colleges, they give this time period after you join a class that you have a certain amount of time that you can drop out without any penalty and get your money back. What are we doing? We're teaching. It's like, hey, you get into school and all of a sudden you get the syllabus and it's like, I got to read how many books? I gotta write how many papers? Oh heck no, I'll go find me an easier class, right? Because I, I don't wanna I don't wanna do the hard stuff. I'd rather get out. I mean, isn't this why maybe not all but many marriages end? It's because it got hard. Because it was once easy and now we fight and it just be I just assume do it and be on my own than to kind of and, and we, we just get out, or is this why people leave church? Because you know I get confronted with something and it makes me feel uncomfortable, so I'm just gonna go find a church that isn't gonna confront the lifestyle that I'm living that doesn't line up with God's word. Or or is this why a lot of people over the last couple of years have have given up on God? And they bailed on their faith because life got hard. I thought God existed to make my life easier. See, we think that. We think that God exists to make our life easier. Now, I'm not saying that there's not times when we do need to change. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you should stay in every toxic situation. I think there's times when you maybe need to find another job because the environment and the culture and the toxic, it's, so, it's, it's, it's killing you, okay? There are times when maybe you, you, you need to move out of a toxic marriage situation because of abuse and other things. There's, there are times for that. But can I just say, uh, more often than not, most of the time what we do is we bail when it gets easy, not because God's moving us in a different direction. So how do I know if God's moving me or not? Here's what I've discovered. It's just my little litmus test, and it doesn't cover everything. But oftentimes, how do I know if God is moving me to make a change? Here's how I'll know. It's often harder to leave than it is to stay. That's when you know a lot of times God's moving you. When God says, I want you to move and change this, change careers, step out in faith, do this, and it would be easier to stay, that's what a lot of times I know it's God. 
But there's a collective mindset. Can we not maybe even agree that we see this in our society today? There's a collective mindset that I just assume just leave and quit and bail when it gets hard. Why? Because we, we worship the God of easy. We want life to be easy, and we think life with God should be easy. But can I tell you, here's the danger in this. Every time you, you pick up and you change jobs all the time because it got hard and that boss got difficult. Every time you change your you know, relationship and relationship and friend to friend to friend, and every time you, you change community to community and church to church, and all the time, every time you uproot, what you actually do is you take away the potential for growth. Every time you uproot and move in a situation, you actually lose the potential to grow roots of resilience in that area. Now, I'm not the only one that would say that. I think um, James, the half-brother of Jesus, said something like that. I read it last week. If you're here last week, this is just a continuation. But in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, it says this. He said, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, run as fast as you can. That's not what he said, is it? He said, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Isn't that odd? Like whenever it gets difficult, he says, you should actually look at it and go, okay, God's going to do something here. And then he said this, for you know that when your faith is tested, your what has a chance? Say that word out loud. Your, come on, say it out loud like you mean it. Your, Your endurance has a chance to do what? It's like your roots, it's like resilience, it's like endurance inside of you. It actually, here's what he said, it has a chance to grow. See, every athlete, every runner knows that in order to develop endurance, you actually have to do the hard things. You, you gotta run, are there any runners in the house? Raise your hand if you're a runner, any runners? Okay, a few of you runners. Did anybody do the 5K that we had for extra week? Raise your hand if you did the 5K. Okay, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, that's a great cause. Like, I think everybody that runs should do the 5K every time we have it. You should sign up. I had a bunch of people ask me, like, are you gonna run in the 5K? I'm like, do I look like a runner? Don't answer that. I have people tell you, yeah, you do. No, I'm a bodybuilder. Do I look? Okay, maybe, maybe not a bodybuilder. That's maybe a stretch. I like to work out, Pastor Zach, but I don't like to run. But it'd be like waking up one day and going, you know what? I think I'm going to run a marathon next week. I'm not, wait, I'm not that dumb. I know better. You, you don't just wake up one day and go, I'm going to do 26.2 miles. Now, because what will happen is you'll show up and you'll run to the first mile. And then you'll be so gassed, you'll be like, I'm done. I ain't doing this. I, got, I don't have 25 more in me. What, what, do you, what do you have to do? You have to prepare for it. You have to train for it. You have to push yourself. You have, today I'm going to run eight miles. I can't run eight miles. You're going to have to. You run eight miles and it hurts and you go further than you thought you could. And then you kind of rest and then the next time it's ten miles. Every athlete, every runner knows that it's a process. Building endurance is a process. Can I also tell you, developing resilience is a process. I want to be resilient when it's difficult and when hardship comes and disruption comes in life, I just want to be that kind of stoic and I got the faith and I got to, it, it's a process. It doesn't just happen, it's a process. I want to talk about the process of resilience, the roots of resilience. You see, uh, we, we receive resilience 
from God, but what I, I felt like God told me I needed to come back around and talk about is that it's a two-part process. Part of it is from God. We, we talked about that last week. We talked about, here's Paul praying. What did, what did Paul pray? He said, I pray that from your glorious, unlimited resources, that you would give me an inner strength through the power of your spirit. That God wants to strengthen, the NIV says, your inner being. That, that God wants to give you something, and it says this, as you trust in him and are rooted in his love and established in him. There's a, there's a, God has a part, you have a part. Whenever it comes to developing a process of resilience, God is the one. Yeah, I'm gonna, he's going to give you resilience, but you have a part in this. And so here's what Paul's doing. He's praying from a prison cell. As he's writing this to the church in Ephesus, it's for their resilience. He said, I'm praying for inner strength inside of you, but you have to trust in him and be rooted in him. Let me ask you a question. If we're going to pray for this, why does God give us inner strength? If we're going to pray that, I mean, it's a great prayer. Paul's praying that for the church. If we're going to pray that, God, I need, I need fortitude. I need something to help me get through. Why does God give inner strength? You see, I think most of the time, most of us, when we pray to God, what we, what we really are saying is, God, give me the strength not to endure, but to make it easier. I actually think most of the times the things that we pray to God is not what we actually mean. Like, how many of you have ever had to pray that God would give you grace to deal with somebody difficult? Anybody have to pray that? Have you ever had to pray, like, maybe it's someone at work, a coworker, someone at school? It could be a family member. You're like, God, you gotta give me grace. I'm trying to represent you here, but you gotta give me grace because Bill drives me nuts. And, and so, God, just give me the grace so that I don't just come out one day and reach around the cubicle and, ah, I'll get in trouble. God, help me not to bust her up in school. I'll get suspended. God, I just need your grace. You know what we're asking? We're asking God, would you make them go away? That's what we're really asking. We're, we're, God, will you help me to have the grace so I don't do something I regret? Okay, I understand that. But you know what we're not really asking? We're never really asking God, give me the grace to love them. Give me the grace to befriend them. Give me the grace to say something in kind when they say something harsh. We're not praying that. We're saying, God, give me the strength so I don't beat the crap out of them. That's what we're, that's what we're asking. See, I think a lot of times we pray things, but we mean something else. It, it, I mean, we, we pray sometimes for provision. That, that's needed. You could be like, God, I need a miracle so badly because... You know, our finances are tight and the credit card bill payment is overwhelming us and they raised our rent and, and, and we're so deep in the hole and, and we're, money's getting tight. And so, God, I need a big check. I need a big raise. We just need a miracle. We need you to do something. And, and yet at the same time, we don't actually do anything that we've already been instructed to do. We're not actually changing anything in our, in our budget. We're not actually packing our lunch instead of going out to eat. We're not cutting off 10 streaming services. We're, we're not actually going to Financial Peace University. We're not cutting up our credit cards. We're not doing any of those things, but we're saying, God, bail me out. See, a lot of times I think the things that we pray for is not what we really want from God. God, I need strength. Can I ask you a question? Why would we pray for inner strength? 
I think we would pray for strength so that we can actually carry heavy things. See, most of us, this is the Christian mindset. This is what I felt like the Spirit of God said speak to. The mindset is that it's all on God. I'm just gonna put it all on God. God, I need you to show up. I need a miracle here. And God, I'm gonna need your strength. And God, give me the grace so I don't beat them up. And God, help me to control my mouth so I don't do this. And God, I need this. Can I ask you a question? If we're gonna ask for inner strength, for resilience, for fortitude within, why do we need this strength? Here's why. It's not so life will be easier. It's so that you and I will have the strength to endure when life is hard. This is, this is what it means to pray for strength. God will give us strength to do hard things. You ever heard that phrase, you can do hard things? Can I just say that to you today? You can do hard things. You can do hard things. I think we need to hear that a little bit today because we live in a culture that would just assume bail. I just quit. It's too hard. We, we worship easy. And when we pray for strength, no, 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 no. If you're gonna pray for strength, it's so that you can carry things, so that you can lift stuff. My wife, when she asked me to bring in the groceries, uh, she'll say to me sometimes, she'll be like, you go to the gym for a reason, don't you? <laughs> when you put them muscles to work, why do you work out? Oh, I just like the gym and the weights and you know, build some muscle, make it look good. Why do you work out? Why do you need the muscles so you can lift stuff? When you're moving and you need some help moving, what do you do? You call someone with muscles, don't you? You call somebody that's big and strong, like, hey, you got a little bit of free time to come help me out? What? Put them muscles to work. Why would God give us strength? So I can quit. See, I want to talk about resilience because I don't think it's just all on God. Yeah, I believe that resilience comes, it's something that the creator, your creator wants to give you an inner strength, but it's also on us. If you were here last week, I mentioned there were two significant moments in the last 19 years of, of leading this church that I really wanted to quit. Two moments that I can remember, it's like the thoughts and everything, the emotions, it's like I just, I wanna quit, and they were difficult times, difficult seasons. And I remember those moments God spoke to me, like we talked about Elijah, and that moment he had on the mountain of God, there was a moment when God's voice whispered through his word what I needed to hear to be able to carry on. But what I didn't tell you was that I also had to choose to stay. God met me in that moment, but I had a decision to make. I had to choose not to quit. I had to choose to stay in a difficult season. I had to choose in pain to say, you know what? I would be so much easier to walk away, but I'm going to stay. See, can I tell you this thought? And I just really believe this. The most important thing that you can do in the most important areas of your life is to make a decision before you feel like quitting to stay. The most important thing that you can do in the most important areas of your life, make a decision before you feel like quitting that I'm staying here. Come on, isn't that what you do when you get married? Isn't that what you do when you get married? Don't you say some things? Don't you make a decision before the marriage? Like, real quick question. How many of you are here and with your spouse? If you're here sitting with your spouse, raise your hand. Or if you're with your spouse, do me a favor. If you're with your spouse, will you stand up? Stand up. Those of you who raise your hands. Go ahead, just stand up. Play along. If you're here and you're married, stand up. All right. I just wanted to look at all the married couples. I want you to remember your wedding. Don't remember your wedding? I want you to remember because there were some things 
my guess, I've done a lot of weddings, so I know it's like every pastor, officiant, priest, whatever else, kind of say the same thing, but there are some things that my guess is you promised to that person on the day you got married. There are some things you did. And so I thought maybe today we all just need a little reminder, a little renewal. And so I want you to do me a favor. This, is, this will be great for everybody who's not married. You could see this. I want you just to turn and face the person that you got married to on your wedding day. And I'm going to say some things that maybe if you went to a justice of a peace, they didn't say. And so we're going we're gonna to set it right. If some of you are nervous about this, just know that I am licensed. And this counts. Okay, before the Lord. I want you to look at them. I want you to say, I take you to be my spouse, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, until death do us part. Amen. Give it up for all the married couples. You guys can be seated. I just renewed all your vows today. I'll send the invoice in the mail. Yeah, don't worry about it. It won't be a lot. It was just no big deal. What happened? What did you do? I wanted a reminder of that moment when you're standing there together at the beginning. I want you to go back to the beginning of it. What what did you do? You made a decision before you started fighting over the kids. You made a decision before he drove you crazy by leaving clothes lying all over the place and wouldn't pick them up? You made it, okay, I just apparently, there's some people really, that's, that hit a nerve. That's, you made a decision at the beginning that, listen, for better or for worse, for richer, listen, if we're doing well, we got a lot of money, man, we're in it together. But if we go broke, lose our jobs, have to sell our house and live in a van down by the river, I am with you. We'll live in a van together. In sickness and in health. It's great when everything's great, but, but what happens when they're sick all the time and you have to pick up the extra slack and you gotta take care of them? Are you gonna stay? Are you gonna stay? You see, it's, what is marriage? What is the wedding vow? It's being planted. It's being planted. It's making a commitment to say as hard as it might get, I'm faithful, I'm committed to you. Can I tell you the reason why my wife and I have been married for 26 years, over 26 years? You want me to tell you why? It's because we made a decision May 11, 1996 that divorce wasn't an option. We took it off the table. Leaving because it's hard wasn't an option. And I know some of you, there was unfaithfulness, there was abuse, there was reasons why I had changed. That's, I'm talking about though as far as it depends on us when we can. We made a decision, we aren't gonna leave when it gets hard. And you know what's happened is roots begin to grow because we're planted. We're planted. And by the way, being planted, what is it? It's just predeciding. That's all it is. It's predeciding. I'm deciding right now before I don't feel like it. I'm deciding right now before I want to quit because one day's going to come where I'm going to want to quit. I'm deciding right now that I am planted. Listen, we have to do this as a parent because. The moment you're a brand new parent, in that first year, you, you want to quit. Y'all remember, like, I remember when one of our daughters was colicky, and that means, like, you changed them, and you fed them. You did everything that you know how to do, and they still won't 
go to bed and they're up night screaming and you're tired and exhausted and you are like sleep deprivation and you're ready to, you know, string, you're ready to quit. But, but when we became a parent, my wife and I, you know what it is? We predecided that we're here. Can I tell you one of the things that has become a real problem in our society, our culture today, and I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say specifically and more so with men than women, has been that they've just decided that rather than stay, it'd be easier just to leave. Just easier to, I just, I, don't, I, I can't be burdened by all the commitments of this for the next 18 plus years of my life, the financial commitment, the involvement, the investment, the emotional commitment. So you know what? A lot of them just bail and they just leave. Can I tell you, that's a problem today. It's a problem today. Can I just say this to all the men? One of the greatest things that you will ever do in your life is commit to be there and invest in the next generation. It is one of the most important things that you can do. You want to know what the measure of a real man is? It's someone who stays. And I'll say that too because there's some women that do. The real measure of a good parent is someone who says, you're not going to get it right all the time. You're going to mess up. You're going to feel the pressure. You're going to feel like you fail at times. There's seasons when it's good. There's seasons when it's painful. But a real parent is someone who predecides. doesn't matter. I'm sticking with you. By the way, it could be seasons when they get older and they start making really bad decisions with some that you do not agree with and that your heart will ache and you'll watch them make bad decision after bad decision. But you know what? You say, I- I'm still there. I'm your parent. It's like the father in the prodigal son story. When the son comes home, he's there waiting, ready to put his arms around him. See, there's something about predeciding that you're planted, that you're planted. By the way, this is also something that I've seen in the last 20, 30 years that bothers me about the Christian culture. And I'm not trying to rant and rave, but I just, there's some things I feel like that we need to talk about. I see this in the church world. That a moment something in church gets uncomfortable, I'm out. The moment somebody confronts me, a leader, about something in my life, I'm out. Who are you to tell me what I should do? I, I, I'm here on my own, volunteer. That's fine. But you're going to church, you're not planted in a church. There's a big difference. There's a huge difference. And today, what we do is people just shop from place to place and go here as long as this makes me feel good. That's great. But the moment I have a little bit of a problem, an interaction with somebody else there, and I get offended, I'll just take my kids and go someplace else. But what you don't realize is every time you do that, you start over. You don't have roots that are growing. You don't have anything to say. What, what it means to be planted, not just going to church, it means I'm invested. It means that I serve. It means that I give. It means that my kids are invested. I make a priority to be there. It means that I give. It means that I submit to authority. It means that when somebody challenges me because of the way I'm living or thinking and it doesn't align with God's word, then I'm going to submit to that, even if it's painful, but I am planted here. And when you do that and you dig roots somewhere, guess what? Fruit comes out of your life. We wonder why sometimes we don't have fruit in our lives, but I go to church. There's a difference between going to church and being planted. And something powerful happens in our life when we get planted. Why? Because it produces something. I love what Psalm 92 says, verse 12 and 13. It says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. And they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Here's what it says. It says this, planted. Everybody say planted with me. Planted. Planted where? In the what? In the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. Can I just tell you sometimes 
The hardest thing to do is to stay when it would be easier to leave. If I could just tell you, the people that mean the most to me personally in this community of faith, and you all mean something to me, but are the people that have endured not just when it's been good, but when it's been hard. And let me just tell you, just like being a parent, there's good seasons and there's hard seasons. In marriage, there's good seasons and there's hard seasons. In your career, good seasons, hard seasons. In your faith, good seasons, hard seasons. In the church community, good seasons and hard seasons. And there are people who are part of this community that mean the world to me. I'm so thankful for them because they've endured through hard seasons. They have. When When I think about the people in our church that just minister to me, the people that touch my life maybe the most, I just look around and I just see faces of people that have been in our church for a long time, like the Hatfields. The Hatfields, raise your hands, just hold your hands up. I just like it. The Hatfields. You know how long they've been in our church? Well, Janine, since she said forever. I hope it hasn't felt like that. She said forever. That's maybe not a good answer, but she, she was here day one, 2003. And Ryan shortly after that, and they met in our church, got married, have kids, their kids are in our church. You want to talk about being planted? That's what it means to be planted. I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for you guys. I, I just, there, there are so many different people that I think about. Brian, I, think, I just think about people, and I just look around, and I see faces of people, Otis. I look at people who have been planted. Because, you know, about four or five years ago, we went through some really hard times in our church. Had to make some difficult decisions. It was hard. It was painful. And you know what? A lot of people left our church. But I think about the ones who've stayed, who've been planted. There's something about digging roots in somewhere. Okay? I, I know that there's times when God will say move, and if he says move and it's clear and you got confirmation, that's fine. There's something about being planted that's going to produce something. Listen, it's, it's not just what happens above the ground. It's what's happening beneath the ground that you can't see. That's why we often talk about this isn't a religion. It's relationship with Jesus. Do you know what will bring real resilience into your life? It's not just what you do on Sunday for an hour, but it's what happens every day of the week. It's when you prioritize moments with Jesus as you prioritize reading his word. And can I just tell you, there are mornings when I read the Bible and nothing just like goes off on me. It's not crazy. It's not explosive. I'm just reading them like, okay, that's good. But I don't know. I don't feel anything. But here's the thing, what you don't know is happening is the roots underneath you are actually growing a little bit further. Every time you read this, another millimeter on your roots is reaching a little bit further. And you don't know the importance of your root system until a storm comes, until disruption comes, until something that'll shake your faith comes. And can I just tell you this? If you wait until a crisis to try to get planted, it's too late. You have to have roots before the drought. You have to have roots before the storm. What does that mean? That means I predecide. 
the most important things in life, here's what I would say, predecide. Predecide. What are those things? I'm committed to my children. I'm committed to being a godly parent to my child. What does that mean? That means I don't just go work 70 hours a week and I put a roof over their head and food on their table. No, I am invested in their lives emotionally, personally, I'm there. I am committed to my children. I'm committed to my spouse. What does that mean? Well, we're not gonna get a divorce. That's fine, but you can live like you have a divorce in the same house. No, committed means I'm gonna work through this. We're gonna work at it. If I know it's hard, I know it's a mess. I'll go to counseling, I'll do whatever it takes, I'll own my stuff, but I'm not going anywhere I'm committed to you I'm committed to my church I'm committed to serve I'm committed to my savior I'm predeciding. some of you if you want to grow some real roots predecide predecide the matters that matter the things that matter the most I'm going to predecide. and the root system will determine the fruit that comes out of your life the roots have you ever heard that phrase, the root determines the fruit? The root determines the fruit. I'm actually so grateful as I stand here today that Jesus predecided something for us. You know he did, right? See, Jesus got to the point in his life where he was facing the hardest moment ahead of him. Right before Jesus was arrested, right before he would go to the cross, Jesus found his soul in a place where he was, he was pressed on every side. And can I just tell you this? Because Jesus lets us know he wanted to quit. He did not want to endure the cross. But I'm so grateful as I stand here today to Jesus that he predecided something for me and for you. Luke chapter 22, it shows us what it looks like to predecide. Jesus, it says in verse 39, went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. Notice it says out as usual. This was the place he would go to pray in a garden. He had a rhythm in his life. This is what he did. When his soul was pressed, he did what he knew because he had roots. He went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and, he, and his disciples followed him. And on reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. Verse 41, it says that he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them and he knelt down and he prayed this. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. In other words, I don't want this. I don't want to drink this cup of suffering. I don't want to face the beating and the scourging and the whipping and the nails and the cross. Is there another way to do this? I want to get out of this. That's what he's really saying. And then he says this, yet not my will, but yours be done. What did Jesus do to find resilience in the darkest night of his soul? What did he do? He did what he had a rhythm of doing. And he went into prayer. He had roots with his father. And in that moment, he was just honest. I want to quit right now. I don't want to do this. That's what he's saying. But then he predecided something. He said, nevertheless, it's not my will, but it's yours that will be done. I submit to endure what is coming that I don't want to do because I predecided that I'm planted in my purpose. 
I'm so grateful Jesus was planted in his purpose. He came to this earth to go to the cross for you and me. I'm so grateful that Jesus predecided on what mattered most. I'm not going to quit. I want to. And if Jesus doesn't go to the cross, you and I are left trying to figure it out for ourselves. And he predecided, and after he predecided this, I love what it says in verse 43. It says, an angel from heaven appeared to him and did what? It strengthened him. An angel appeared to him and it strengthened him. See, I believe that resilience and developing roots is a process. God's the one that will give you the inner strength, but you have to make a decision. What am I gonna do with this strength? And I think sometimes it's just easier to quit. Sometimes we just wanna quit. We wanna run away. But maybe today, and I don't know in what area this will land with you because I think all of us, maybe there's a different area of weight that we're carrying right now. But my question to you is, in that area, the thing that's weighing on your mind, the thing that's burdening your soul, the thing that is so heavy and it's hard and you wanna quit on today, my question to you is this, what does it look like for you to endure? What does it look like? Maybe it's in your finances. We just soon file bankruptcy, run away from it all, do all this. What does it look like for you to say, no, God, we're gonna do the hard work. We're gonna ask for your strength. We're gonna get a budget. We're gonna cut out expenses. We're gonna do everything in our power to do it the right way. God, we need you to show up miraculously, but we're gonna do our part. What does it look like? Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's been months or years and you haven't done anything to reconcile your marriage. You've been living apart even though you're living in the same house. Maybe today it's, it's time to predecide something. You know what, we made a decision then, I wanna work on it. Maybe there's a conversation you and your spouse are gonna have and say, let's go get counseling, let's get help, but I'm not, I'm not gonna quit. If you won't quit, I won't quit. Because we made a commitment, we predecided. What is that area that maybe today you need to predecide? I'm staying, I'm planted. Something happens when you get planted, amen? Come on, would you all stand to your feet? I want us to have a moment where we can, we can invite God to provide us with that inner strength, but we also have to be, or I'm gonna make a decision today. I'm gonna pre-decide something today. Would you bow your heads? Let's just pray. Father, I ask you into this moment. I ask your spirit to fill this moment. God, I don't know what is weighing heavily in this distracted life that we're living. I think for each of us, probably it's different. But here's what I know, God, that there's something about your spirit that has an ability to minister to each and every one of us. I just feel like maybe in this moment that I'm supposed to pray, maybe for some marriages that it, you're here, you're represented, you're watching this, and you've wanted to quit. I want you to hear maybe the voice of God speaking you, to you today and saying, don't quit. This is time to commit. This is, I, I pre-decide I'm gonna stay in this. Father, I pray for every struggling marriage right now. I pray for every struggling relationship. God, on the brink of disaster, of quitting, God, I ask right now for you to give an inner strength. God, we call upon you and your glorious, unlimited resources 
and say, God, would you fill us with what we need right now in this moment? God, I, I pray that you would give us the strength to do the hard things. Give us the strength to be the kind of parents we need to be. Give us the strength, God, to lead in the way we need to lead. Give us the strength, God, to be planted. Give us the strength to have the maturity that when there's an issue with somebody in community, that we go to them and we reconcile the best that we can. God, give us the strength. Give us the grace that we need. Father, I pray right now for those who might be here today and they're saying, I want to quit on life. I don't know if you're in this room right now, you're watching this online, but I believe maybe someone right now, you've had thoughts that you want to quit on life. Dude, I, I just don't think I can go any further. I've been discouraged. I've been depressed. I've been disappointed. I don't think I can make it any longer. I just speak life over you right now in the name of Jesus. I just declare the Spirit of God is meeting you right now and giving you new strength, giving you new hope, giving you something to hold on to. I pray for grace and mercy in our time of need. I thank you, God, that we can go come boldly before the throne of God and we can, we can come and ask for grace in our greatest time of need, God. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We wanna connect with you and we wanna be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.